I began today, and I just want to tell you what I'm going to speak on, receiving the honor of advancement. Advancement is something we all want. We all seek for. We all want to advance with men, advance with God. We want to have favor with man and with God. We want to advance in our personal lives. We want to do those things. And most prophecies that are prophesied over us are for advancement. However, I have saw in my life, personally and corporately, that receiving that advancement is one of the hardest things that people do. The word pride is so misused. It's not wrong to have a godly pride in the works of your hands. It's not wrong to have a godly pride in those things that you are good at that he has gifted you with. The secret is in who you give the glory to and where the glory goes and who gets the honor for the, oh, there's a word we don't use much anymore because we don't want to have pride. And so therefore, we don't want to honor anything. There was a day in our world when men would take their hats off and cars would stop when the funeral procession passed by. But I understand it's quite hard in a city of five million people for people to stop the procession. But just go into the countryside of America. You will still find that cars stop and let the hearse go by with the deceased and let the long parade of cars of mourners go and follow. It's a pride. It's a pride and an honor in what we are doing for someone who has gone by. We're proud of the fact that they lived and died. We're honoring them by pausing. Now, progress causes much of that to go out the window. So there's no honor in things. People don't take pride in how they keep their homes, how they keep their cars. They're so afraid and so worried that they won't be humble that they are proud in their humility. And it comes across as sloppiness. It comes across as someone who can't cross the finish line. It comes across as someone who cannot keep advancement. I used to have a little Volkswagen when I was 14. Yes, I had a driver's license in Mississippi at 14 years old. Now, what good is a, a person that's 14 with any kind of motor? So I thought, my, I thought well, I, I need a, a, shiv, a 57 Chevrolet because there was one for sale. My father said, you need a Volkswagen. So I learned quite quickly at 14 that I could find a man that could rev it up because that's really a Porsche in disguise. And a little Porsche could get, you could get the motor humming, you could get the bigger wheels, you could get the thing. I took great pride in it. But one day the starter went out and my father thought he would teach me that you need to work for a living. So he told me until I could work and get the, 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 the yards mowed around the the, the area we were in. He had about a 40-acre Bible college. And I, until I worked, I wouldn't have a starter. But I learned something. Our block was just a little steep of a hill. And I found out if I got in the car and held onto the wheel and I backed up, I could push the little Volkswagen up the little incline and then I could let it go and jump in and push the clutch and I could go again. When he found this out, 
He knew that I was not disabled anymore. That I couldn't tell people at school that I have to ride the bus again. My car doesn't work. It hurt my pride. But I think we've lost something when we realize that ingenuity and the ability to invent and create without feeling like this is something I've done, something I have been able to do. All of that's good and great, but without God's glory in it, there will never be an advancement. So here's how I found out as it got harder and harder to start. I, I found out that if I carried a block of wood with me, I could push the car up because I had to get it up higher up the hill to get going again. And I'd throw the block of wood underneath the back wheel and it'd chalk it and stop it. Then I could catch my breath and then I could push back up just a little more and then jump in the car and off I'd go again. People have found ways to get around all of their uh, inactiveness so many times. But I watched churches, I watched pastors, and I watched church people all trying to advance. And it seems like that they all want the church to grow. They want the church to move forward. They want the church to be everything that they need it to be for their lives. And we need it to be certain things to take care of our children, to take care of this and that and the other. Our, our young people, are, we, need, we need certain functions that, that we find ourselves all going in different directions but wanting something singular. So there's no way to get the thing going when every mind is not in one accord. I know how that feels. Then we also have that problem that, that people talk about us, that we're just working for nothing. Well, I don't think they're ever going to do anything. So those become a part of our vocabulary. You can't believe how many people I didn't talk to when I was sick. I just told the office and told my wife, and I even told some folks, I'll not be talking to you for a while. <laughs> and if you knew who they were, you'd probably be shocked because they can't talk 30 seconds without being negative. I needed the creative flow of God to heal my body. I needed to advance. I did not need somebody tearing out. Now, I did everything I was told. I, I drank the old Indian tea from 100 years. I still drink it four times a day, made out of weeds. It's made simply out of weeds, I promise you. It's not, it's not, it's, they call it herbs, but if I told you what it was, it's just weeds. I'm worse than a Chinese drinking all that stuff. No, I, I sincerely tell you, I believe in it. But I also believe that you've got to keep your mind right. Your mind has to stay right. And what comes in is very important to your spirit. It was 1990. I share this with you because the pastor of the church asked me to share it, how it happened. It was 1990. My wife and I were working very hard. We had uh, many operations going. We were young. Uh, 
there was a there was a, a lot of employees around us, and there was a company of this and a company of that and a company of that and a five-story building and an acreage of property for the church and and all of the things going on. And we thought that nobody cared if we lived or died. We had left our traditional church world. We had left our denomination. We had left my father who had at that time over 5,000 uh, pastors that said hello to him uh, every month. Uh, I, I, I walked with God. I moved with where I felt like I should go. Uh, I remember him giving me uh, his okay that, that I should go. And he said, I think you'll be all right. I don't think you'll lose what you've been taught. I said, I don't think so. I think I need to go where I, while I'm young and find an, another way, another place. But after I left, the talk was so bad about me, you'd have think that I was Hitler or, 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 or even one of the great robbers of America, uh, Dillinger or, you know, just could be just Bonnie and Clyde that, that just were robbers of the people. And I heard so much bad that in 1990, I thought, my God, will anybody ever say that these are nice people? These are good guys. So I had a notification in the mail from the White House. Now, generally, you just pitch that stuff, right? Because they're writing you a personal letter. My wife gets a personal letter from Melania and Donald Trump all the time. She gets the certificates. She just gets right. She can't believe that there were 4,572,000 of those that went out on the same day. You might be getting them from several other people. I don't know. But you think that's your letter. But really, that's, a, and so that's what I thought. But this letter was different. And the secretary said, you need to pay attention to it. It said, they're going to call your name on national radio, and they're going to say in the, in the president's daily uh, commitment le uh, statement that you are uh, the kind of person that is good for the country. Well, that's nice. Uh, when's this going to happen? Well, we don't know yet, but it's going to happen. <laughs> and then we got another letter. And it said, be ready for this. You're, you're. Now, I have been hit so hard by people that did not want me to advance. My pride, my level in who I was in God was so low. My personal feelings were so, had been beat and banged to where, even though I had this great work, I mean, trucks running all around me and buildings and warehouses and, and, and factories and, I, you know, at night I felt like I was nothing. Satan is a master at making you feel like you are nothing. It's the greatest deal he's got. He has no greater priority than to tear you down to where you will not advance. Now, fortunately, I just kept moving and doing my work. Then I heard about this program that President G.W. Bush was going to form a program called the 1,000 daily points of light. And that they were to go out through America and find 1,000 groups, people, or operations 
that were doing charitable work that should be emulated without government money. I said, well, I certainly fit there. I'm not going to get any prize money. for this. What is he going to do? Well, I began to look at that. And I thought, wow, to even be considered. Now, God was using a natural thing to build my spiritual feelings. Because when man begins to honor you, you then have to make a choice which direction you're going to go. I felt that it was good to listen. So I became one one thousandth of 253.5 million Americans. Now think about it. One out of a thousand of 253.5 million people that heard their names. Ours is actually, you can go on, online and just put Daily Point of Light, Gregory Gayla Holly. Probably do it during church. You, that way you'll be real spiritual and you'll know we're not lying to you. And you'll see they were just the 389th Daily Point of Light. That's who they were. I, I just want to say this because you have to hear why I'm telling the story today. We miss so much of the honor that God puts on us. If you'll go back in your history personally, there are things that happened for you that God was using sinner people to compliment you. I think about the mother of the Chongs. She sits here today. What kind of woman was that that could find a boat, get her kids in a boat? But we don't call that honor. We don't call that anything. She just escaped. But why would God let them Find a boat. When everybody's looking for a boat, everybody was trying to get out. How could she find someone who was honest to get her on the boat and take her money and move her to a place of safety with her kids? There should be something inside of your spirit that rises up at those kind of things and says, no, 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 not just thank you, God. Not just, oh, praise the Lord. But to be, he chose me. He made a way open for me. Have you ever missed having an accident on the freeway? Have you ever got the job? Have you ever had a healing? Have you ever had a loan come through? Have you ever had God say through something natural how much he honors you? I guarantee you, if you will spend the time doing what I'm going to suggest today, you will be able to remember. I mean, over the next six months, you'll just remember all kinds of stuff that happened for you in school, that God opened up a door at your job, that God, it was really God using man to say, I like you. 
He opens doors. He honors us. So we come here to this place today. We think, what can I say that will cause this church to advance in 2020? Last year, you, I came and preached on some on pillars. And in talking about the pillars, there was kind of some shaking that went on during the year. And now you begin the new year and you know pretty well who the church rests upon. Some of you say, well, that's a, that's a, what, what, I'm a, yeah. see, you're reading too much into it. The honor is there that says God has settled the peers of the building. And upon those peers sit the pillars. And now whatever he adds to that will not collapse in certain areas. So if you take your Bibles in whatever manner that you might have them, or you might, they might find it on the screen, uh, just worry about the King James, I'll worry about the Amplified, I'll tell them. For I would like for you to look in Mark chapter 13 and verse 34. You see, whatever you honor, take pride in. Not wrong to have pride, it's just wrong not to give the glory to God. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. I actually shaved today so I would look decent. I brushed my teeth so I would smell nice. I have uh, 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 Tic Tacs in my pocket so that I will have nice breath whenever I pray for you. There, there's, a, there's a certain pride of life. But that pride of life can sweep you away into dishonor. And it causes your advancement to be halted. So God says, don't get rid of the fact that he says, I love you. I take care of you. I believe in you. I'm sending people to help you. I'm opening doors for you. I'm making ways where there is no way. Mark 13, 34. Let's just listen to it. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Now listen, you, you're there? Give authority to his servants. Come on, just take your, take, your, take your neck and stretch it up a little bit. Say, I have authority. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm his servant. I'm the servant of God. I, I have authority. You see, Satan wants to beat you down, take away your pride, because pride is the pride of life. It's a sin. God hates pride. Well, why would he have given you any pride at all if he hated it? He hates the misuse of it. There's a blessing coming when he says, this man, now Jesus is telling a story, this man, I'm going to go out, I'm going, I'm going to go on a journey. Didn't tell him where he's going, probably going fishing, maybe. Maybe he was going to make money for the house. Maybe he was going to do other duties. And he left his house and gave authority to his servants. So turn to your neighbor and confess, I have authority in Christ Jesus. Now I know this church, so I'm not in any hurry today. And he commanded the porter to watch. 
the doorkeeper. We got a lot of watchers. We got very few workers. And out of that, we have less who feel authoritative about their position in Christ. I call for you to take pride in the fact that he chose you. You're not lost. You're not going to hell. And if you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, or if you're a backslid preacher listening to this down the road, you are not gone as long as you have breath. You can receive renewed authority in Christ Jesus as a servant. I enjoyed your servanthood this morning. I knew you could turn this place on its ear, and you've done well. Now, why would that be wrong for me to congratulate him? Why? Oh, you might blow his head up. You might make him full of pride. That's not my problem. It's his problem. He has to say, but for the grace of God. But for the grace of God. So now, now that we have all this authority and we're in our place and we're ready to go to work and leave the doorkeeper to the doorkeeper business and let the doorkeeper watch out for everything out there and let go to work. Now, now that you're ready for that, why don't you just say, to God be the glory. Practice that. Practice it when you walk in your house. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. When you walk into your, get into your car today, what's going on? To God be the glory. Because when you become thankful for what you have, then your workload in Christ will grow. The honor is really found in the Amplified Version. Y'all may have this version. If you don't, I'm going to read it. So uh, I just want you to watch it. The first part of this scripture says, be on guard. Actually, I actually backed up to the 33rd verse, but be on guard. Stay constantly alert and pray. For you do not know when the appointed time will come. Everybody's talking about Oh, you don't know when the trumpet of God's going to blow and we're going to go to heaven or going to go to hell. No, 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 no. There are many appointed times in your life. ASAT of where I'm preaching today is coming upon a time that is appointed by God to move. Coming. Will you miss it? What have you missed? What have you missed? Sometimes I would go for a season of two or three years. And I would feel like I'm wasting my time. But the master was on a journey. And he had left me in the house. And he had given me my work to do. And he said, I set the angels that they would watch over you, 
They would doorkeep you. They would porter you. The angels of God care very much about the bride of Christ. The angels of God care very much about you as an individual. The angels watch. We have to work. As we work, Satan is saying, you're going down. You're losing. Look how much is going out and how little is coming in. All the time, the master is on the journey, preparing for your more work, preparing for your life. And there was a day that the, the letter came and it said, on such and such a day, we are going to, we are in 1991, they're going to read your name over the national news media and you are going to be the 389th point of light. I thought, whoop-de-doo, that was being given to me, not thinking that I was one in 1,000 of 253.5 million people that would receive that honor from the President of the United States. Did not know the doors that would be open for my advancement in my life. Did not know how many times people would bring up for me around the world and say, you received an award from the president. Tell me about it. How was he? What kind of man was he? How was his wife? What does their home look like? What does that flying office on Air Force One look like? As a young mind, I almost missed all of that because big boy was beat down by the devil and some religious folks. One religious mind met my wife in the grocery store and said, we've been praying every day that all of your properties would fall and be burnt to the ground. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for your confidence in us. Thank you that you are practicing love in your religion. Thank you that you are praying for those that despitefully use you. What did we do to you? <laughs> but he said, you do not know. Somebody say, I do not know. When my appointed time is coming, I am a servant of God. I have authority. I have my work to do. I will not complain because I have a, an appointed time to come. And there are many appointed times. Now, then he says this. So it makes a lot more sense when you put the 33rd verse in there. It's like a man on a journey. This is the amplified version. Who, when he left home, put his servants in charge, each with his particular task, and also to be continually alert. Now, if you miss your coffee in the morning at Starbucks and you have a bad attitude, you may miss the biggest blessing that ever was meant for you to have because your master is not away playing uh, a soccer or playing a polo on a horse somewhere. Your master is in glory preparing for you a place. Somebody say, I have a place. I have a place. ASAT has a place. 
Those of you that are listening to me, you are hearing me say these things to a local church, and you should say that for your church because God put churches in order. He put them into a place to where you become something, a part of something that you honor. You become a part of something that you trust, and you believe that God is going to advance the church, and in doing so, will advance you. I believe that each one of us have a right place in our life that we're supposed to be in, a right order of authority, a right order of authority. And when we are serving under the right order of authority, it didn't say how good that authority was. It didn't say how sweet they were, how pretty they were, how ugly they were. It, didn't, it just said under authority. They had authority. He gave them each their, their jobs to do. So when ASAP begins to think of that, and all of your churches begin to think of that, we're not living in that kind of church world anymore. We're living in a Walmart type of church world where people come in and if the toilet paper is moved to aisle 14, they just get upset and they got to go find a church where they know where to put the toilet paper on aisle 14. The secret is not about how much you're going to be blessed. It's about our work that we do and that we take pride in the fact that God is here and his glory is here and his joy fills my soul. I watched those that were on the platform singing today and I saw them enjoying themselves. They actually weren't stressed out. They were actually enjoying themselves. I do remember a time when they were stressed out. And I do remember a time when the brother would come and take the offering and he was stressed out. But today he was not stressed out. He had to take pride in his work, do his work for the Lord, say what he felt like he was led to say. It comes easier now. Why? Because he has his work to do. He's been given the authority to do it. And now with proper thinking, he can advance personally and corporately. Matthew 10, 16. Watch this. Watch it. Matthew 10, 16. Now, when you see, it's a, not, not in the Amplified, it'll be, it'll be in the, it, it, well, yeah, put it in the Amplified. Just stay in the Amplified for a little while. I'll help you with the King James Version. I do that because there's so many people that believe you're going to hell if you don't use the King James Version. Just learn to look it up in the Greek and Hebrew. So now here's Jesus talking to these people. This is in the, in the, in the, in the amp. Okay. Jesus is talking to these people, and we think he's talking to us. No, these people did not shop at Kroger last night. They did not drive a car which had an app on it that told me, are you willing to go the toll roads that will cost you $4.10 to go to church today? Are you willing to pay that? The app has learned that I sometimes don't like to pay that. So it's asking me now, do I want to pay it? And to proceed with the map, I must push the button so it is happy that I'm happy to pay the 410. And I certainly am. I had a much better ride today. But when you study in Scripture, you got to remember who he was talking to. 
He was talking to Greeks and Hebrews who were in the Hellenic era. They were in the area of witchcraft. They were in the area of magicians. They were in the age of something I'm going to teach you today. Now, this is all you get in the next two or three slides, two or three these things. I wanted to show you a picture of it. Because Jesus said to these guys who had gotten saved, he said, behold, I send, I'm sending you out. Now, this word behold is, is really interpreted, listen carefully. Listen. How many times do we listen carefully? I am sending you. Help me preach. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you, 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 and me. I'm sending me out like sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, not having a self-serving identity, harmless, guileless, without falsity. Now, there's a lot of people who preach all about this, but let me preach about this. Because I went and studied who Jesus was talking to. He was talking to people who believed in this word. I can't show it to you on the screen, so I'll spell it for you. O-U-R. O-B-O-R-O-S. They were people of the Ouroboros. And when he says this, everybody in the room knew what he was talking about when he talked about snakes. Everybody knew when he talked about the doves and who he, how he was sending them out. You know why? Because all throughout that region there, there were snakes wrapped around vases, vases that were, that were symbolic of fertility, life, renewing itself. Because everybody knows the snake has to shed its skin to relive. Everybody knows the snake has to have, is uh, cold-blooded, cold and he will eat his tail to live again. He will self-sacrifice to do it. So all the heathen, the wicked people, worshipped the snake. They were people of the Ouroboros. It was an ancient symbol of a snake eating its own tail, signifying infinity and the cycle of birth and death. Did you know that if you throw a snake in the water and, it, and he has, some of them live, live underwater uh, and, and, and if they can't get warm, they will actually pull that tail off themselves with their mouth and eat their tail to get warm because they're cold-blooded? Well, these people looked at this and they made a God out of this thing. So Jesus said, I'm sending you out. So be wary and wise like the servant because I've got a life for you that they don't have. I can show you how to be born again. I can show you how to live in a world that's only out for itself. I can show you how to advance in the midst of people who are going after themselves. And, and you will be just as innocent as a little dove. You will find yourself 
in the truly powerful way. You won't be like the world. You won't be like those who believe that they must worship a snake. or, or I mean, you, many of you come from cultures that there are thousands of different beliefs of, 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 of every kind of living thing that come into people to tell them about Jesus would be just like he would be preaching in a foreign country right now that had many, many different types of, uh, or, or be in the hood preaching. He would adapt himself to preach to who he's preaching to. And these people believe that the snake, if they prayed, they would be born again like the snake. And, and if they prayed to the snake, they would be have fertility and they would have life and they would have health. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you out just as smart as a serpent, but you're going to be harmless as a dove. Now later, here comes Luke. And the only part of this passage of scripture that you hear about in the Bible is give and it shall be given unto you. That's the only part you hear. Why don't we back up? Everybody say, let's back up. back up. Come on, let's just back up a little bit and read this part in context. Go to Luke 6, 37. And we're going to read through 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. So here's where we come in. The season is changing at ASAP. The season is changing across the world. The season is changing to where there's going to be an influx of people that go for the church again. They did it in the hippie time. They came wildly at us. We had church everywhere. And we had people who came in and did everything in front of you. And you had to find yourselves loving beyond what you saw. It's coming again. The coming advancement of the church and what is going to make you strong in the city of Houston is your ability to be a part of the true kingdom of God. Judge not, neither pronouncing judgment nor subjecting to censure. I'd like to say this. Do not judge others self-righteously. Well, look how many tattoos they got. I believe I know that tattoo. That tattoo means this or that. Are they wearing the earring in the right ear or the left ear? <laughs> the self-righteousness. But he says, if you, if you can get past this, if you can take pride and, and glory in God and the things that God has done for you. You can believe he can do it for anybody. He can just take and put a, somebody who is nothing and robbed and raw. He can raise them up and give them authority and they can have an advancement in their life. Now, get ready for some real messy church. Get ready for some real messy stuff. But in your life, you don't have to compromise with sin. You have to love the sinner and bring them to a place to where Jesus says to them, I'm going on a mission. I'm going to prepare you a place. While I'm gone, you don't know the appointed time I'm going to give you that blessing that's been 10 years in the coming, but I'm going to drop it on you and you've got to be ready. He said, if you'll do this, you will not be judged. Now this is the part of the message where everybody gets real quiet. Because he says do not condemn and pronounce guilty. And you will not be condemned 
pronounced guilty. You see, what he's really saying is do not condemn others when you are guilty and unrepentant. And the church has taken a pride that is not holy, a pride that is not in the glory of God. So we all go our own way, and the preacher stands here week after week, whether, whether it's one of, the, one of the great elders of the church or elderesses or it's, or it's Bishop Chong. And as they stand here in front of you, the church is going a thousand ways, and he's saying, let's go this way. Why? Because he's been given his work and we've been given our work to pray and not judge. If we do that, we'll not be condemned for our own hypocrisy because we become a nation of people who judge each other and call each other out but don't call ourselves out. And the Bible is calling us to bring the church to a place of advancement to where we can call ourselves out and say, I need prayer. I need you to pray for me. I need a help. I need a miracle. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to tell you right now, I need prayer. I want prayer. I want you to bless me with your praying. When's the last time you asked somebody, I want prayer. Just pray for me. And that person didn't say, now what was it you wanted prayer about? <laughs> Tell me what the problem is. There's really no need. Somebody just says, I'm praying that God will help me have my eyes right so I can see my position of authority. And he says, acquit and forgive and release. Give up that resentment and let it go. Now would you just close your eyes and just say to the Lord, I let it go. I let it go. Come on, just let it go. Let it go. What did they do to you? It doesn't matter. Let it go. I was in the shipyards last week on vacation just looking at the different ships and I saw the barnacles on the ship that had been brought up out of the ocean to clean the barnacles off. Our Christians and our churches have so many barnacles on them that they're dragging the work of the Lord down. It's time to just say, let it go. God, forgive me for judging those people that tore me apart and robbed me and just let it go. Don't you know if somebody steals from you that the Bible says that they owe you seven times and God is the payer. God does not owe anybody anything as quick as you can let go the love that was robbed, as quick as you can let go the money that was robbed, as quick as you can let go the feelings that were robbed, as quick as you can let it go, acquit them, let them go. Then God will turn on you and pour out upon you a blessing. Now let's read. Are you, are you, are you with me? I told you it was a quiet part. Now you're ready to read what the preacher talks about. Give. If you give and you hadn't let it go, you have lost your honor of the Word of God and the direction for advancement. So I'm not going to pay my tithe. 
Now you're really in problem. Now you're in a real struggle. So I said to Bishop, I said, I'm coming to preach. I have a word that I think will help. Just say I'm stuck if you're stuck. If you're stuck in a mindset or stuck on something, just ask God for help to unstuck you. He can, he can just send a, a blessing that will turn your mind away from wherever you've been doing it. And now, let's read. Give, and it will be given to you. Let's go to verse 38. Give, and gifts will be given to you. Let me just ask you this question. If you forgive them and acquit them and let it go, aren't you giving I'm about to shout myself. I think I want to go to the altar. Okay. <laughs> then he says, the, the King James says, so shall men give into your bosom. This is a little bit better interpretation. It says, they will give, gifts will be given unto you, give good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will they pour into the pouch formed by the bosom of your robe and used as a bag. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. You say, well, I've heard that all my life. I haven't been there yet. Maybe you need to let it go. Maybe you need to find what you need to honor. Maybe you get some preacher did you wrong and you're mad at the preacher. Just let it go. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it go and be blessed and, and get, your, get your coat ready. So if you go out tomorrow and you got your coat ready, do you not think that God can orchestrate what will set you apart from every other person because I give my servants authority? I just, I just got to throw it in there because it's, it's there. For with the standard of measurement, you measure out or deal out, the measure you use when you confer benefits on others, people, well, they don't deserve it. They don't, right? That's right. That's right. Give it. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Let them go and raise yourself to the heights that God has brought you to. Now, I'm coming to a place to where we can agree that things are fixing to take off for you. Matthew 18, 19. And I'm going to use the King James Version. You ready? Anybody here ready just to get, get, get a little blessing in their spirit? Just, just leave out of here with that little thought that, hey, it could go better. Hey, there's, there's going to be some real things happen this year that can just really turn me around. No, it, it's not could, it is. When you decide who you are. Well, listen, they've been preaching this who you are in Christ Jesus all for five or six years now, but nobody is saying yet, get a hold of who you really, the king and queen that God has raised up in the earth called you. You are his royal, her royal. You are that one. Here's where the key comes. Again, I say unto you, Matthew 18, 19, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth 
as touching any thing. Now look, now look, look, go look at the word. Any two of you as touching any, I hear people preach this all kind of ways, anything. No, anything. Specification. But they shall ask. It shall be done for them. When you pick an agreement partner, make sure that that agreement partner has a clean mouth, knows who they are in Christ Jesus. I call my family together. I said, first of all, confession is good for the soul. I said, I'm sick. I have called for the elders. I sent out a letter that made someone mad. I said, don't call me, don't talk to me, don't mess with me. I'm going to go, I'm walking, walk, if you don't have anything good to say, leave. I told them, my bishop, 17 of them. And, and, and your pastor called me immediately. You don't, mean, you don't mean messing with you? I said, I said, you know better than that. You come every week. But I sent the letter out to all 17 of them. said this, if you don't have anything, don't. I want your mouth to be in agreement with who you are in Christ Jesus so that when we touch anything and agree, it's going to be okay. Come here, Bishop John. Just jump right up here. You're young enough. You don't have to go around the nice way. Jump. Now, if you're a man of God, listen to this, a woman of God, I'm going to touch you through him. Because I know that he can wash his mouth out and speak right. I heard him speak. I've seen him hurt and lonely. I've seen him beat on. I've seen that and heard the tongues of men gnash on him. But I've also seen him throw it off. Sometimes two or three times a day, a week, a year, reminding himself who he is in Christ Jesus. Who said to him, LT, I'm going on a journey. I'm going to leave you with the house. Got you some servants to work. Just do your work. I'll be back. Just do your work. No communication. Just do your work. But now it comes to where you stood faithful, and the Lord says, find somebody and touch it. I try to pick up the phone when you call. If I don't, I text you right back real quick. I want to agree with you so you can agree with this church that whatever they touch will be turned into honor. Now we're going to touch this place. And to my friends that I've been speaking to, we're going to turn the tape off now and we're going to just minister to the church. So God bless you. I'll see you on another Take 10.